to the Lowenstein Sandler podcast series. I'm Kevin Iredell, Chief Marketing Officer at Lowenstein Sandler. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast series at lowenstein.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Now let's take a listen. Welcome to Don't Take No for an Answer. I'm your host, Linda Bennett, Chair of the Insurance Recovery Group here at Lowenstein Sandler. So as we say goodbye to summer and we're getting back into the groove of school schedules and we're starting to embrace the arrival of pumpkin spice everything, companies need to start preparing for the upcoming hurricane season and the severe weather events that accompany winter. So as many corporate policyholders know all too well, when Mother Nature strikes, she moves fast and furious, leaving significant property damage and business interruption in her wake. That's the time that most companies turn to their insurers with the hope and expectation that their premium dollars have been well spent and all is going to be well because their insurance adjuster is going to show up on the scene with their checkbook in hand. However, the reality is that all too often there's a misalignment between what the policyholders' expectations are and what the insurer's willingness is to pay on a particular claim. So let me be a little bit more blunt because that's my way. Insurers like to collect premiums, but they don't like to pay full value for their claims. So in today's episode, We're going to explore these steps that policyholders can and should take when a catastrophic weather event is on the horizon to get full value for their claims. And as we like to do here at Don't Take No for an Answer, we're going to keep it practical and give actionable advice. In order to deliver on that promise, I've invited two professionals who have years of experience unlocking the keys to the insurance kingdom after the storm. My partner, Eric Jesse, has helped policyholders recover insurance proceeds for both property damage losses and business interruption claims. And we have Steph Jedra here with us today. She's a CPA and a senior manager with Markham. Steph brings her secret Dakota ring for business valuation and loss calculation to all of her meetings, and she's supported efforts to secure insurance recoveries for years. So welcome, Eric. Thank you. Great to be here. And welcome, Steph. Thanks, Linda, for having me. All right, great. So why don't we just jump right in and get to what are the steps that policyholders need to take before the storm arrives to mitigate their losses and maximize their insurance recovery? Because usually we have some advance notice that these events are coming. So Eric, what do we need to do to get ready? Yeah, so it's certainly in everyone's interest, both the policyholder and the insurer's interest to try and minimize any expected or potential damage to the extent possible. And so policyholders should try and protect vulnerable property if they can, whether that includes moving property that's stored outdoors, indoors, sandbagging, boarding up windows, elevating property that might be at ground level if there's a flood risk. But basically, the advice is to act as if you're uninsured to try and protect your property. And because insurers also recognize that these preventative efforts are beneficial to all, many property policies will cover what are called loss prevention expenses. But as is the case with many policies, the devil is in the details. So first, make sure that your policy, that your property policy has this type of coverage. And second, make sure you're aware of any notification requirements. To access coverage, you might have to provide the insurer with advance notice of your preventative measures or notice within a few hours of doing so. What about whipping out our video camera, right? Because one of the biggest losses that our clients experience can be inventory. So you think it's a best practice maybe to take a video of the warehouse before the roof gets ripped off and the rain starts coming in? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be something you want to do before and after to show the effects of the damage. Great. All right. So once the event comes and goes and corporate representatives are able to get back onto the site, what are the most important things that policyholders should do within that first 24 to 48 hours to assess the loss and document it? So, you know, once the storm passes, there's really a host of things that the policyholder needs to do almost simultaneously. One is give immediate notice of the loss to the insurer. The insurer will appoint an adjuster who can be your point person as you undertake any repairs and remediation, and you want to keep the the adjuster apprised of what you're doing. You also, when you're providing notice, you don't want to specify a specific type of cause or loss. You want to avoid describing the claim in a manner that could walk right into an exclusion. So just describe the damage sustained. The other thing you want to do is continue your mitigation post-loss. So take the necessary steps to protect persons and property from further damage and injury. These temporary but immediate steps can also be covered under the policy. The term of art is an expediting expense where the policy could cover temporary or expedited repairs. And to the extent you can continue to operate, mitigate losses by seeking alternative suppliers or sources if that's necessary for continuation. Also, make sure that the loss and the damaged property is documented, particularly if immediate measures need to be taken to protect property or persons. That means photographing and videotaping everything, if possible, before the repair occurs. These records are going to be critical to preparing the proof of loss and proving the loss, and also to prevent the insurer from asserting some sort of prejudice if the insurer's inspection cannot occur you know, before the site is is altered. Also, don't discard any damaged property until the adjuster has arrived on site so he or she can see that with their own eyes. And then another critical item just in general is to be aware of policy deadlines. Many of these policies have tight deadlines to submit a proof of loss or to potentially bring a lawsuit if there's a coverage dispute. So don't let those deadlines slip. And if they are going to slip, make sure you get a written extension from the insurer if necessary. So before I turn over to Steph to give her a question, though, let me back up, Eric, because you've mentioned the adjuster a couple of times, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand the difference between the adjuster, the insurance-appointed adjuster, and this other group that we've heard about called Mm -hmm. public adjusters. So can you just spend a minute or two talking about the difference and whether our clients should consider bringing a public adjuster in on their behalf. Sure. So the insurance company will have their own claims adjuster that will be the point of contact for the insurer. Obviously, you know the adjuster there works on behalf of the insurer, so you want to be very careful what's communicated to that adjuster because anything we tell them can be used against the policyholder to potentially deny the claim. A public adjuster will work on behalf of the policyholder, and they're typically paid based on a percentage of the amount they're able to recover from the insurer. And oftentimes, they can be a point of contact to deal with the insurance company's adjuster. So they will review the loss, and they will coordinate the presentation of the loss and be basically the point of contact for the policyholder. Great. So Steph, at what point do you typically get involved in the process? And how does that happen? So we can get involved at different times, depending on both the business and the details of the policy. Sometimes we're engaged by a business to assist in preparing their claim for lost business interruption. 
we can assist the client with compiling the necessary information and presenting any analysis that would be necessary to calculate their claim per their policy. Other times we're engaged by the insurance adjuster to assist in reviewing a claim that has already been prepared by either a policyholder or a separate forensic accountant. So you're going to come in and kick the tires after either the insurance company or the policyholder has put the claim forward. You guys come in to do the high level back check review on the amount of the loss. Yep. So the amount of the loss and also reviewing the supporting documentation or any other information that might be necessary to adjust the conclusion if it's necessary. So what are the most important data points when let's say that you're engaged by a corporate policyholder who's looking to quantify their business interruption loss? What are the most important data points that you need to gather from the client before you can do your work? So the most important piece of information is going to depend on the policy, depending on what the policy outlines as the calculation for the lost profit or lost earnings, whichever the calculation outlines, the policy will have specific components that are necessary to calculate the loss. And that information will be maintained in the financial statements, tax returns, and books and records generally of the company. So we'll want to look at that information to figure out exactly what we need to align with the calculation that's outlined in the policy. So let's just reinforce the point that Eric made earlier, and that is one of our core values here at Don't Take No for an Answer, which is the words matter. Not all policies are created equal. And Steph, I think you just made the point that even the way you go about calculating the loss will very much depend on what the policy terms are. All right. So Steph, who pays for your services? So that also depends. It's the accountant's favorite answer, right? And lawyers too. That's why we get along so well. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So it always depends. It depends on when we get involved and what the policy outlines. Each policy is different, obviously. And like you said, the words matter. So it depends on what the policy says, who pays the services. I think that's an important point for our listeners to know, though, that some of these policies actually include and expect a payment for a professional such as yourself to help value that that loss. So, Eric, tell me how how complicated does this get after Steph has done her work and has come up with the calculation? How hard is it to get this claim presented and paid? Do you need to borrow Steph's secret decoder ring? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, we do. Property policies are are some of the most complicated policies we see. They're often drafted in a disjointed manner. And so you really need to dig in and see what's covered and see what's excluded. And so when you do have a loss, we do recommend obviously working with a forensic accountant, working with coverage counsel to navigate the policy coverages so that when the proof of loss is prepared and the damages calculation is performed, that you're walking into coverage and not walking into an exclusion. And you know, as Steph mentioned, the complication with these policies certainly extends to calculating the amount of the loss because the policies will often specify how that needs to be done. Wait, so you mean I don't just get to look at my declaration page and see a $25 million limit of liability and I get $25 million if Steph can come up with a $25 million valuation? That's not how this works? No, definitely not. Because as I mentioned before, the devil is in the details and property policies are notorious for having what's called a sublimit, which is basically a much lower limit than your overall limit of liability. So you might have a $25 million limit of liability on page one of your policy. But as you flip through the policy, 
you might see that there's a sublimit for $1 million for windstorm coverage or for flood coverage. And, you know, a lot of policyholders following the hurricanes of the past 15 years from Katrina to Sandy to today are often surprised when there's a loss that occurs and then they realize that they have much less coverage than they experienced. But let me ask you something about that, Eric. So if I'm actually paying attention when the policy gets placed and I see the sublimit, is that a take it or leave it? Or is that something that your broker can help to negotiate and and perhaps in some instances get you some relief from that? Yeah, well, in that scenario, it's great that the policyholder is not just putting the, the policy on the shelf, but is actually taking a look at it. And absolutely negotiate, try and negotiate the policy terms and conditions. If you're not comfortable with the sublimit, go back to your broker and try and get a higher limit. If this is an important sublimit for you, make the broker do their work and go out and potentially market your coverage to other carriers to try and get a sublimit that you're comfortable with. So Eric, what's this ACC thing that I have been hearing about ever since Hurricane Katrina? What is that? What does that stand for? And and what is the impact to coverage? ACC clauses are the worst. ACC stands for anti-concurrent causation clauses. And the way insurers apply them is that if a covered and uncovered event contributes to a loss, the entire loss is excluded. So if you have a loss where flood, we'll assume is excluded under the policy, caused just 1% of your loss, and you have windstorm coverage that was 99% of the cause of the loss, the presence of the flood will allow insurers to exclude the entire loss. So it is unfortunate courts enforce them. And again, this is another example of where policyholders cannot put their policy on the shelf. They need to understand which coverages include an ACC clause. They should go work with coverage counsel or work with their broker to negotiate those ACC clauses out and albeit that's easier said than done, but if this is an important coverage for the policyholder, again, you know, consider marketing your, your policy or your insurance program to other carriers who might not include an ACC clause for a coverage that's important to you. Great. So Steph, one of the things that our clients are keenly interested in is getting an advanced payment. Even if we can't get the full value of the loss documented in the immediate aftermath of the storm, they want to get an advance because they know they've suffered a significant loss. So how quickly are you guys able to get in there and get enough of a handle around the loss to support getting an advance payment? So all of that is dependent on what the financial records of the company look like. So the most important thing that a business can do to make sure that we can speed that process up is to maintain records that are thorough and clean. I mean, including financial statements, budgets, projections, et cetera, because these documents are really at the crux of what we're talking about here with a business interruption. And thinking about your policy when you're maintaining these types of records will help the process as well. Think about spending maybe a couple of extra minutes just making sure that you have your policy in mind monthly, quarterly, annually to make sure that you're maintaining the records that are necessary to support each component of the calculation in the event of a loss because otherwise you're going to spend time redoing these calculations or looking for information, compiling data at the time when you really want to speed along the process. That's great. All right. So we've got just a couple of minutes left here. And so I did promise at the front end of this episode that we were going to give practical and actionable advice. So I'd like uh, each of you, Eric and Steph, 
to give me one or two nuggets of lessons learned from prior claims that you've handled, you know, one or two things that if it had been done differently at the front end would have made the claim adjustment process far smoother all the way through. So the advice I'd give is it really comes down to understanding your policy, making sure you're comfortable with the coverage is understand your sublimit, understand the ACC clause, know what your deductibles and waiting periods are, and you know, try and negotiate for better terms if you can. And then the other piece of advice is be ready to document the loss and damage, both before the storm occurs, so you have a record of your inventory, a record of what the property looked like beforehand and after, so you can show the before and after. So I think one of our best tips is probably the same with respect to documentation. Eric talked a lot about maybe videotaping or taking photos. And from my perspective, from the books and records perspective, really keeping good records of your inventory and any other assets that may come into play here. And then the last thing is just to consider involving a forensic accountant early on if you think that you have a complex claim. Supporting an initial claim thoroughly and completely can really minimize the work and stress that goes on later on and hopefully reduce the risk of any kind of litigation. All right, great. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed our time today and look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast series at lowenstein.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Lowenstein Sandler podcast series is presented by Lowenstein Sandler and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. The information provided is intended for a general audience and is not legal advice or a substitute for the advice of counsel. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. The content reflects the personal views and opinions of the participants. No attorney-client relationship is being created by this podcast and all rights are reserved.